You know, you know how I know I was like having a a mental decline this week. I was walking around my apartment this morning. And I was just impersonating Nancy Grace alone. <laughs> you don't know like full on mental decline until you're pacing a room in the dark wee hours of the morning, going, "I see Anthony." But baby, I he do. was alive. I do. I that's so funny you say that because I was literally voice memoing my older brother this week, being like, I have to stop talking to myself so much. Like, I'll just get in the mirror. It's a real thing. I'll just get in front of the mirror and be like, and like, oh. You hear it? He said, hell yeah, girl. <laughs> he said, hell yeah. You've got good ears that you could hear that. Okay. He's losing his mind out that, there. He's losing his marbles. Baby, he has adjusted that tempo. That was, <laughs> that was a damn bachata. Like, that was so fast. Thing I've ever heard. He's on a schedule. Oh my god! He's, he's like hop two, hop two. He's, he's like, all right, let's clear the street. Get on to the next. Oh if they god. want it, they'll catch up. Oh my god, that was amazing. But you talk to yourself in the mirror. Oh my god! I sometimes I'll just be like, like I think I've told you this before, but there was a time where like I would just look at myself in the mirror and be like, "Bitch, you better be joking." Like I literally. <laughs> Like if I started to feel down on myself or something, or I'll like like repeat like mantras to myself, like literally giving myself freaking affirmations, like I'm five years old. I think that's really common though. People do I mean, it's it's that seems more sane and like therapeutic to me than the stuff that I do, which is like me sitting working and then in the middle of like doing some work, I'll just start an interview. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll tell a story. Like, that's true psychosis setting in. That's true instability, <laughs> finding its way through the cracks of my mind. That's basically just what this podcast is. It's just your full-on psychosis. I just happen to be on the other line. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that what all conversations are, baby? Yeah. <laughs> just a, mu- a mutual tolerance of psychosis. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> well... With that, I can certainly shift us into our story for today. Hi, Creepers. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Creepers. Now, when we first started this podcast, we would often tap into a lot of strange stories, particularly stories that we would talk about of odd behavior and the eventual disappearance of young men, usually guys in their 20s, remember? Yeah. We had so many. We had Brandon Lawson and, let me think, Brandon Bryce, Swanson. Uh, Bryceless Pizza. Uh-huh. Brian Schaefer. I mean, there were so many that we covered. I thought I could hear that thing again. I was like, is he outside the window? <laughs> I heard, I, I like, actually heard off, like a creepy, I heard like a, yeah. And I was like, oh God. What? That's what In it's, the background of mine. Well, that's what it sounded like. Apartment? It sounded like they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh God. Please. I'm, I live alone. I know. I know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't take it. I can't take it. You know, I'm fragile. I know, right baby. <laughs> well, This is going to be a new addition to the collection of stories that kind of fit that bill. It is the very eerie final moments that were captured on camera of 28-year-old Lars Matank. I know a lot of creepers have requested this, but do you know the name at all? Do you know anything about this case? Because I will give you the benefit of the doubt that it is a foreign case. It's from Bulgaria. Uh, uh, so yeah. we didn't we didn't have a lot of like news coverage on it. I was gonna say Lars is a very unusual name, so it immediately made me think like Russia or something. Um, but no, I've never heard of it. I thought of heavyweights. Do it to it, Lars. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? No, I didn't. Really? No. Keenan Thompson is like it's it's a really like I don't think it would be made today, but it's about kids that get sent off to what they're calling a fat camp. And they're all like 13, 14. Keenan Thompson is in it. And he's like 14 years old. I remember that movie, actually. You remember? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And Ben Ben Stiller yes. is like, yes. Um, he comes like into the fold as like, I'm going to whip these kids into shape. Like he's like a fitness guy. It's such a crazy ass movie. I remember his headband that he wears. And he goes, how are you feeling, Lars? Lars is like one of the guys who goes, I'm feeling the burn, Tony. 
Anyway, so Lars Matank. This is our top line. He is 28 years old at the time of his disappearance. He was traveling with five friends to Varna, Bulgaria. It was his first journey outside of Germany, which was his home country. It's where he grew up. So the group vacationed at the Golden Sands, a seaside resort just outside of the city of Varna. And during his time there, something went off. Lars, at a certain point, was no longer acting like himself. And he started to become kind of illogical. And then there were moments of time where nobody really knew where he was. Where did he go? Now, we'll get into this, but Lars did suffer an injury that would actually set back his flight date while he was there. So at a point, his friends leave him behind because he has to stay there and wait a day or two to fly. He says it's fine. They feel okay to leave him. And that is where everything goes down. It was during this time that we do not actually know what happened moment by moment or how stable or unstable he was until we arrive at the final moment of this where he is seen at the airport, presumably to catch his flight home. Do you hear this outside? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute pandemonium. Wait. It's- I'm trying to hear what they're saying. I'm like, it's adding to the ambiance because I feel like they're fighting, but I don't know. They're not. They're just talking loud. Oh, okay. They're like walking. I know who they are. They're walking their dogs. Um, maybe they are fighting. Holy <laughs> shit. Should I check? <laughs> what if I just scream at them and I go, excuse me. <laughs> I am hosting a podcast. We are recording a podcast. <laughs> I have to go to the window. I have to see Honestly, what's going on. Honestly, they sound like they're fighting. Hold on. Let me take my headphones off. Or no, laughing. they're laughing. laughing. They're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> they're cackling. Damn it. <laughs> we were about to have Did some you want to hear drama. a fight? I was going to say, we were I about know, to could have you some imagine? drama on mic, as you would say. <laughs> drama on mic. I'm waiting for it. It, it could still happen. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll stage it one day. Yeah. But... Basically, that's the end of our top line, is that the final moment of this is that we're at the airport. We see Lars on camera for one final time where he walks in, seems to be interacting pretty normally. And then at a certain point while in the airport, he abandons all of his belongings and he sprints from the airport outside to the parking lot all the way to the back of the parking lot and then hops a fence and goes into the woods. No one has ever seen him since. So this is the mystery that we're going to dive into today. Any immediate thoughts outside of what's going on outside, but particularly <laughs> on the strangeness of this case. So this was fairly recent, you said? This was, let's see what the actual date is, 2014. 2014. Okay, this is giving, I mean, maybe it's because we just came off of like the spring break episode, but it's feeling a little bit like spring break vibes to me. Yeah, I mean they're pretty they're pretty young. I mean he's 28, but that's still pretty young and they're on like a group vacation yeah. with friends. And I guess it is kind of like a similar instance where like he was left alone kind of in the same way that Brittany Drexel was, mm-hmm. although her circumstances were different. But it is that vibe, yeah. Oh, this is going to be weird. Yeah, I mean there's quite a bit to get into and I do have a lot of different theories because I think the strangest part about it, I think the most What feels logical to me is to try to, like, once we build out the context of the story, figure out why Lars was acting the way he was, the real strangeness is where did he go after? How did he just vanish? And they've never found his body. Oh, God. Okay. So that's what we're going to get into. But before we do, I will just say again, welcome back, everybody, to Creep Time, the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the thousands of you who signed up for the newsletter you see that kind of like firm hand like tough love <laughs> shit it works sometimes baby i'm, I'm the co-host and i signed up for the damn newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> you scared it into me uh, listen i just don't want anybody to miss out I on know, the newsletter and i'll say it again especially this month but thank you to all those who signed up thank you for listening to the podcast for all of the positive ratings the word of mouth, because every time you share this podcast with your friends, your family, or coworkers, whether it's in person or online, it really, really does help the show. So thank you. Make sure to follow and subscribe. And I'm not going to belabor it. We're going to get right into his backstory. Are you ready? The ass is padded. 
The ass is certainly pet. The ass is padded, baby. <laughs> Maybe it's just like a seasonal thing. It's like a tick. I can't. I can't stop it. So, <clears throat> our backstory on Lars Matank. Now, he was born actually this month, February. So, February 9th, nineteen eighty six, in Berlin. Uh, or sorry, Berlin, Germany. And then he lived there his entire life. Like I said, grew up there. He was described as a pretty normal guy, very average. I mean, there was nothing about him that particularly stuck out in terms of personality. He he just lived a very kind of simple life. He worked at a power plant. He had a steady job there, very social. He had a close group, group of friends, specifically these guy friends he would be traveling with. And he had a girlfriend at the time. And he was also described as a pretty devoted son because his father in recent years had suffered a stroke. So Lars was spending quite a bit of his time, you know, splitting between his work at the power plant, but also basically staying with his mom and dad to help with his dad and like help with his, you know, stuff around the house. So this vacation was really supposed to be like a July hurrah, right? Like it was like a June vacation, July vacation where they were going to go out, blow off some steam, enjoy the summer, 28, do a little bit of clubbing, go to the beach. Very, very normal. I just feel like the most important thing to sort of take away from the backstory before we get into the actual story is just how blissfully normal he seemed and that he had no prior history of mental illness leading up to this. Nothing. Although we do say the 20s is usually when men start to present with some signs, but even up until the day he left, nothing could have indicated something like this would happen. And good family life and there's nothing that's like he's not on any sort of like unstable ground going into the trip that's what they think and i mean of course you know we didn't know him like we're not there we'll never actually know but we have to go off of what his family and friends told us right and i could certainly concede that having a parent especially in your 20s who goes through a major major medical change or or disaster such as a stroke that could be a, a very triggering and traumatic thing that might put a lot of stress on somebody who might already be susceptible to a slip, you know? Sure. I feel like it's, I don't don't know if that's what happened, but I feel like it's also um, like sure with some of the cases at the beginning of the podcast that we did, they were like in their early twenties, but I also feel like we've started to cover uh, where men kind of, and also women, but in their late twenties, like right at this age, sort of like 28, 29, 10 to Yeah. People people said that on Reddit too. Yeah. They, they were like, I mean, usually like any sort of like hallucinations or psychotic behaviors. And again, we're going to preface, we're not mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're mental health cases, baby. That's right. Uh, that's right. So we, I saw people on Reddit and they had sort of said that a lot of people who do tend to present with psychotic behaviors or even schizophrenia, it would typically present in the early to late 20s. But we have seen those cases like you're talking about. Even I think Aunt Diane is kind of a mystery mm-hmm. of like, how does a woman who's 36, almost 37, sort of out of the blue present with psychotic behaviors? Is it postpartum? Like, like what, what is it? Yeah. You know, it seems like the range is a little blurred. Right. So then I'm going to jump into our story and go through where it all begins. Before I do, do you have any immediate thoughts or questions? Or should we go straight in? No, I think you can go straight in. Okay. So when does this start? It is the 30th of June, 2014. This is when 28-year-old Lars, he traveled with those five friends to Bulgaria. Like I said, it was his first time outside of the country. And I thought that was interesting because First time traveling, even as like an adult who's not, let's say, like a young, young adult, like a 28-year-old, first time leaving the country is a daunting thing. That's big travel, even if it is like within Europe. It's still a big travel. Well, and I feel like people that grow up in Europe tend to like bounce between countries a lot more than we do. It's so easy. Yeah. It's so – I mean, like – it's it's not like change like going from country to country. Like if you were to go from the U.S. to Canada, and there's like border patrol. It's it's not like that at all. Right. You could travel by train; they wouldn't even search you at the border. Hmm. So, like I said before, the group had vacationed at the Golden Sands, which is a seaside resort. So it was really kind of supposed to be like a beach trip. I have a quote here from one of his friends. This guy's name is Paul Roman. 
Uh, He said the week went by really fast. And then another friend said that we were at the beach. We swam in the pool. We played football. We went clubbing. He was relaxed. He meaning Lars. And he was in a good mood. This is what Tim Schultz said. He also said that Lars didn't eat much on the trip and that he would only have like a small bowl of soup or a salad at the time. But his friends didn't report any other abnormal behavior, at least in the first part of the trip or the bulk of the trip. But I was trying to figure out if that meant anything, like why he was eating very little. I want to assume it had more to do with like limited funds for the vacation versus like something else going on, but maybe not. Yeah, uh, it could be like a stress thing. Like, it could be. you know, people yeah. that get really stressed out, they don't eat very much. I don't know if like just going off of maybe the stroke or whatever it is, if there's an underbelly of like something's going on that we don't know, it could indicate that he's stressed out. I would agree. I would agree with that for sure. The The choice of food also seemed strange to me. I think people listening are probably like you're reading way too much into it, but it could just be a cultural difference. Because when I think of like, when I think of like a, a normal guy, like especially an American guy who would be like on a budget and on vacation and can't really like, you know, get a steak dinner, they usually cheap out and get like something crappy like fries or yeah, something. But yeah. I think this is just a difference between like the US and Germany. <laughs> they would be like, I'm going to get soup and a salad. And I'm like, why wouldn't you get fries? Well, was he, I mean, was he a relatively like fit person? Oh yeah, sorry. I didn't even send you any pictures. Hold on. No, no, no. You're good. Give me a sec. Um, yeah, he was he was pretty fit. Okay. Cause I wonder, I mean, you know, there could always be some sort of, you know, wanting to keep up a certain type of appearance. But yeah, a soup and salad is very I wouldn't it's imagine. It's very light. Yeah, it's not very really light. Sustaining you. Let's see. Oh, I wish I had bigger pictures of him. Hold on. Again, this is another situation where I had like opened a bunch of tabs with the anticipation that I'm like, oh, I'm going to send these pictures to Stu and then accidentally closed every single tab. I I think I might have found some of him. He's very handsome. He's very handsome. Yeah. Yeah. Here, then I'll just send you a couple of what I have. Do you already have pictures pulled up? I had, well, I had one that I found. Okay. Got it. Yeah, for any, I mean, Creepers, I'll put these up on Reddit, but for anybody who hasn't seen him before, he's, I think he was about 5'11". He's pretty fit. And again, he's a young guy. He's 28. He's got kind of like sandy, dirty, blonde hair. Um, He kind of looks like Chad Michael Murray a little bit. A little bit. I think it's the haircut. Yeah. There's a picture of him in a fedora. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Not Not a fedora. I know. Fedora's incredibly cursed cursed wardrobe so i'll keep going yeah so that's where we're we're left off with um the friends they can see that his behavior was pretty normal for most of the trip on july 6th so this is like a week into the trip this is a day before they're supposed to return home lars and his friends they went out to a bar in the town now the reporting on this is a little murky and a lot of it came directly from what Lars said, but allegedly what happened in the bar is that Lars got into a bit of like a verbal disagreement with some others who were like football fans, but for an opposing team. So the full nature of the fight is not widely understood. Various reports believe it could have just been like a petty drunken argument. And then some people say that it might've had something to do with like a girlfriend of another guy who was there, not one of his friends, like another patron in Mm -hmm. the bar. So, Lars was a fan of the football club Werder Bremen. I think that's how you say it. Okay. And he had differences with the fans of Bayern Munich. So once they parted from the bar, Lars disappeared, allegedly for the rest of the night. I don't really know why this didn't raise any immediate flags, why people didn't, you know, go out of their way to be like, this is serious, like we have to contact him, we have to contact the police, but he disappeared for the whole night and the timeline of what happened we don't actually know but he claims or he claimed when he came back he was in an altercation so Lars turned up at the resort the following morning and he's he told his friends that he was beaten up by four men that were hired by a a group at the bar who disagreed with him the night before so basically while what I would imagine is they were leaving and in the shuffle of that Lars was like taken by a group and then 
it sounds like he was beaten up until he was knocked out and like slept on the street, if that's what happened, or he was like beaten up all night. He definitely had injuries, but it became a question of like, okay, were you really beaten up by four men or did you cause these injuries yourself? Mm. But this is the tipping point in the story because what happened was the fight resulted in a severely injured jaw and a ruptured eardrum. So Lars went and he saw a doctor that day and the doctor advised him, according to him, you should not fly with this injury with like a ruptured eardrum. And he prescribed an antibiotic antibiotic called Cefprozil, Cefprozil, sorry, 500 milligrams of that. Now, according to his friends, they wanted to stay with him, but Lars was very insistent that he was absolutely fine because don't forget, they've already got flights booked. He was like, I'm just going to stay behind for an extra day. You go, you fly, I'm going to fly back the next day and just give myself like a day to kind of heal and, you know, take this medication. So to recap, Lars is now injured, he's on a brand new medication, he is completely alone, and he's in a foreign country that he's never traveled to. Thoughts? Uh, this is not going to bode well for him, I don't think. I, he could, Because it sounds like, I just think it takes a certain type of young man to like get into an altercation at a bar, like, and, yeah. you know, and, and him staying back to me, I understand that he's like, I'm just going to heal or whatever, but I feel mm-hmm. like he's also, there's the possibility that he's like, I want more. I want to like go out more. I want to see more. This is my first time in another country, like that oh, kind of energy. Yeah. Um, so immediately my gut is something's going to go down. Kind of like, I mean, it's like, there's a way that you travel with your friends and then there's a way that you travel solo yeah, and like do what you actually want to do. But what's interesting about the fight at the bar, because it wasn't physical immediately. I mean, it was just a verbal fight. I kind of assumed it was like petty because it was about sports teams. So like how serious is that really? But also he didn't have a history of kind of doing that. So that leads us into like a whole host of theories of like, okay, well, what came first? Like the chicken or the egg? Like was Lars already suffering from a bit of a psychological decline Mm. before the actual altercation and that's what prompted it or was the inciting incident the alleged attack that happened later that night like the physical attack yeah i'd be curious also to know like if he was a big drinker like did he go out a lot in berlin like was his style kind of to be more like you know bombastic like i don't know like what his personality type really was but it kind of seems like he got to another country and just kind of felt like i could do anything like a like invincibility factor and just like you know arguing with people at a bar he probably was like i'm in a different country who cares right no i can completely see what you're saying what was interesting about what his friends said and we really have to take their word for it because what else can we go off of they claimed he didn't drink a lot Mm. on the night that this altercation happened like they were all it was pretty casual because they're at it's not a club they're at like a sports bar yeah you know so it's conversational it's beers it's not like shots in the club kind of thing yeah so i don't know i don't know if that tells us a story one way or the other but i'm gonna keep going because i first want to talk about the medication that he's prescribed so this is an antibiotic and although there are very very rare possibilities of adverse side effects, especially ones that could explain what happened here. None of them that I could find on Mayo Clinic described anything that would relate to this kind of behavior. You know, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of physical things like upset stomach, headache, like dizziness, drowsiness, like normal symptoms, like adverse symptoms um, or side effects rather of an antibiotic or this medication specifically, but nothing like hallucinations or psychotic thoughts or suicidal thoughts like there's nothing that i found not to say that it's impossible i mean i'm certainly not a doctor contrary to most who believe i am (laughs) dr dean dr dean baby (laughs) silas dean md now what i will say is that lars mentioned that the attack that was on him from this group at the bar it was targeted like they were specifically going after him for some reason other than just that they were um, like angry about the argument. Like it had something more to do with him. That's what he was alluding to. 
I'm not really sure what that means. I don't mm. think his friends were sure what that means. But I think what it starts to hint at is that there's a level of paranoia going on here. And the question is, is it real? Or is he hallucinating that people are after him? I mean, that's a pretty big jump. Like all of a sudden to be on a, you know, fun boys weekend. And then all of a sudden these people are like out to get you. It sounds like something is brewing there beforehand. It's either confusion going on in his head, or I think there's more to the story that his friends are not telling us. Yeah. Like the only reason that people are after you is if you have something or you've taken something that was theirs, which I'm assuming would be drugs. That's probably a very astute uh, thing to think. Um, uh, Yeah, because I can't think of why else you're in a foreign country and all of a sudden a random group of guys are after you. Maybe they weren't so random. There's lots of theories here, too, where people are like, the friends were completely in on it. Like, this was all, they were all going there because it was like a drug trafficking situation. (gasps) There's tons of crazy theories on this because the strangest part is like, okay, well, a lot of this seems like it was in his head. But then again, we've never found a body and nobody just disappears and then is, you know, usually not found. Yeah. Especially when like we've got their last known whereabouts on camera. Like, that means. Maybe he was captured by somebody once he got away. We don't know, though. So I'll keep going. But the psychiatric issues that we're talking about, you know, such as delusions or hallucinations, I think they're they're probably more common with something like a head injury, which if we're to believe Lars's story, you know, that he was in an altercation where somebody busted out his eardrum, which he did have a busted eardrum. Maybe this is associated with that. That can be common, though, in the early stages of recovery from a a traumatic brain injury or a head injury that you start to have psychotic thoughts. You know what's also interesting? I have read a little bit about like how the ear is connected to that, like Mm. tinnitus or like the ringing in the ear, like stuff like that can oftentimes correlate with your mental health. Um, so, So that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Totally. So, I mean, I think a lot about vertigo too, because mm-hmm. I think a lot or like in ear balance imbalances. Cause, um, I mean, that can certainly have issues on cognition. Yeah. Or at least confusion, maybe. And like you're not fully aware of like what's going on or what you're experiencing, or you think that something you did experience is still happening. Like two things can be true. Maybe totally. it's true that Lars was really attacked, but then that shifted him into like a hallucination or a hallucination. Um, state and he just never got out of it yeah so here's what happens next he is left alone he checks out at the resort at the same time as his friends and then he went and he checked into the hotel color which is in varna for one night so this is like a much much cheaper hotel it's much closer to the airport which i would assume is just the more logical thing to do because he's like i'm just gonna be here for one night no sense in like spending money on a big room, and I have to fly back the next day. However, it is this day that his friends left that the severe paranoia kicked in. While he was at the hotel, he ended up calling his mother, Sandra. He answered the phone in a whisper, and he basically told her, there are people coming to kill me and rob me. Cancel all of my credit cards. The hotel would then release footage, which I don't think we've actually ever seen, like, the public, but the hotel did release footage eventually to investigators that showed CCTV footage from inside the hotel with Lars pacing up and down the halls, looking out windows, in the lobby, hiding in the elevator, and then at 1 a.m., he leaves the hotel completely for a full hour. We have no idea where he went, what was going on. How you doing? Oh, this is giving me chills because it feels like somebody that went off the rails so fast i know it like, has to, it's got to be the head injury right? yeah it has to totally be like that. totally it the the pace of all of this feels so unusual for somebody that had no backstory of trauma like it and feels some, like we're somebody in the who trauma was like right checked now out by a doctor though you know what i mean like this is like 24 hours and suddenly he's in like a fit of intense paranoia yeah like psychotic paranoia and he was seen by a doctor less than 12 hours before. But a doctor in a foreign country that maybe, uh, unless I mean, they did it's, like- It's sick- Bulgaria. Like, yeah. I don't think it's like a, it's not a place where like, I think he would see like 
a crap doctor kind of thing. But I think maybe they just assumed it, it's difficult to see like what's going on inside the brain without imaging, right? That, that's what I mean. You know, like healthcare is different everywhere you go. Like they probably just said, you, you'll be fine. No need to do an x-ray. Just take this. Like, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like urgent it's care. It's different care. than, yeah, it's different than like if you're in your home country and like you're going to somebody that you know or like a doctor that's mm-hmm. been recommended that's going to take like a little bit more like, you know, tender loving care towards you. Like, I'm sure this was more of a like, that's fair. You know, this guy was out like, you know, he's here on vacay. We're just going to see him and see him out. Right. Or at least, I mean, in your home country, you would have like maybe a doctor who knows you and your personality a little yeah. bit more. They would be able to tell if something was off. Yeah. So that's where we're at. We've got this strange footage. We don't know where he went for that hour after one in, one in the morning. And then by the following morning, he once again called his mother, telling her that people were pursuing him and he's getting closer. So... I remember covering the story and I, I think I watched an interview with the mother and she just remembered saying like the, the feeling of like, I just have to get him home to get him to a doctor because she's not really understanding like the paranoia if this is real because he's never exhibited any sort of delusions like this before. So she's like, is this really happening? Like, are you safe? Like, should you go to the police? Like, she just wants to get him home, get him on the flight home, and then she's going to be able to deal with it then. Mm-hmm. So she basically coaches him over the phone. She was like, listen to me, get into a cab outside of the hotel right now. I'm going to stay on the phone with you. Tell the cab to drive you to the airport. Like she is coaching him literally to the airport. He gets all the way there. He would arrive at the Varna airport. This is July 8th, 2014, daytime. And he's hoping to fly home to Germany. And what's strange is at this point, he seems pretty lucid. Like it seems like the paranoia has kind of subsided and he had gotten off the phone with his mother but the second that he arrived he sent her a text and he was like just letting you know i'm at the airport when he got to the airport i don't know if this was his doing or his mother instructed him to do this i didn't even know this was a thing at airports he went to go see um the airport doctor for a consult i didn't know that was a thing i didn't know that was a thing either but i also realized recently i was in an airport where there was a chapel why does that seem more logical to me than airport? I'm no, not that I agree that like a chapel is more important than having a doctor in an airport. God, I do not believe that. But <laughs> I feel like I've seen that though. You have okay. Well, I I hadn't seen I or I at least had never paid attention to it. But yeah, isn't that weird? Well, baby, you've a- never been to the Delta Sky Lounge. Well, that's my chapel, honey. I- <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, because this was actually at the Charlotte airport, which is like a Delta hub. So I was oh like, I, I should have noticed that beforehand. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that is very odd to like go to the the airport doctor. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I was curious if like, again, that was something his mom had coached him into, or if he was lucid enough to be like, I don't know, something's wrong with me, or I'm, I'm feeling nervous about flying. I would really like to be seen by another doctor because that seems like a very sound person yeah someone who takes themselves to a doctor is somebody who has self-awareness that something is wrong right so he ends up going to dr costa kostov um and kostov would later describe his behavior as very very nervous and erratic and according to this doctor he actually inspected lars and told him that he was fine and he would be okay to return home and he saw him as anxious but did not see him as someone who presented with hallucinations or delusions, which I thought was really interesting because that was telling me a story. And I don't know if it's true that maybe something was really going on here where he's like being pursued even to the airport, like being followed and he's freaking out about it. But wouldn't they have like found where he was at that hotel in the, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know how small of a town this was where he was, but God, it would just seem awfully strange for a group to like target this random guy that's just there on vacation. Agreed. Agreed. Unless there's another part to the story that yeah, we don't know. Yeah. So Lars is sitting in this office and the doctor's like, okay, you're good to go. You know, I think you're going to be okay to fly. Like a ruptured eardrum is okay to fly with. It's just, it's not ideal. Um, but Lars did not want to leave the doctor's office. So that also told me that he's like using it as like a hideout. That's very, yeah, that makes sense. And then he starts expressing doubt about 
like the efficacy of the medication that he was prescribed. And at the time, like in real time, in this office, a construction worker had entered the office. And that was because the airport was undergoing like a major renovation. So Kostov said that Lars began to tremble when this man walked in and he freaked out. And he said, I don't want to die in here. I have got to get out of here. He then got up, fled the doctor's suite, left behind his luggage, his wallet, his cell phone, and his passport. And he is captured on the security camera, the same one that captured him walking into the airport, fleeing the terminal on foot. He gets out to the parking lot, and then once outside, he is seen jogging basically all the way to the back of the parking lot. He climbs a fence and then runs into a meadow, then sprints off camera in the direction of a forest that was near the Bulgarian National Highway A2. This was the last time that Lars has ever been seen on camera or by any confirmed witnesses, and the mystery of where he went and what he was experiencing persists to this day. Oh my God, he's never been found. He has never been found. Actually, I'm going to send you the video that I have of this footage because it's only about 55 seconds. And again, Creepers, I will put this up on Reddit so everybody can watch it. We're going to reference this video through the theories, I think, a couple of times because this, again, goes back to like some other characters that might have been seen on camera and whether or not they might be relevant to what's going on. Oh, my God. This is so awful. Like, I feel like he had a mental break so fast and it came on so swift like really within like a 24-hour period it was like we went from zero to 60 yeah it's it's i think that's why it was so difficult for his mother to grapple i mean we've seen this before where like there's a very slow burn like Bryceless pisa was exhibiting signs of a mental decline for like months prior to his actual break this is like Literally a day, 12 hours. Oh my God. Okay. And he's a completely different person. I'm starting it. Okay. He's walking in. He looks yeah, keep describing pretty it. normal, like just walking in slowly. Okay. Told her. And he's got his bag in hand too. I'm watching yeah. it too. He just looks like a regular person walking at the air. <gasps> oh my God. Him running out of the airport is freaking me out. Oh my God. I have chills. Oh, my God. Whatever he was experiencing, it was very real for him. Yeah, it was so real. But what's strange is when you see immediately when he gets out of the airport, his pace drops. Yeah. He's no longer sprinting. He's like casually jogging, which also was like, what is that about? It's almost like he was experiencing like a claustrophobia of some sort, like just need he was like just get me out of here like it, it seems like right now he's it's also making me really sad that his friends left him behind like i understand mm-hmm. that they had flights or whatever that they needed to catch but like this was not somebody that needed to be left alone to their own devices my god i i don't know if they do that to be honest because the full paranoia hadn't really set in yet so as far as they knew i mean still it's not a great thing to leave your friend behind especially if they've had an injury or even worse, made a claim that they were jumped. You would probably want to like hang with them at least or like have one person stay behind and be like, you know what? I'll switch my flight. I'll stay with you and I'll fly with you tomorrow. But this is what we're left with. Oh my God. The way he ran out of the terminal is freaking me it's the heck out. It's, it's so, so chilling. chilling. Oh my God. What freaks me out is seeing him in like the, the distance, like the far away from the camera when he's like all the way at the meadow hopping the fence. Yeah. That's just, I mean, I don't even know how to make sense of it. That's so illogical. It freaks me out. It's so telling, too, that he's, like, so normal, like, walking around when he first gets there, like, after just having got off the phone with his mom. Because I feel like Mm -hmm. when you are having those mental breaks, it really is, like, the things that save you are you being tethered back to the people or places or things that you knew before this version of yourself totally that's that's a really good point and i feel like the second they got off the phone he's in a brand new space a new airport he's i think you're definitely onto something with him the mom telling him like go to the doctor because i bet when they were on the phone 
she was freaking out by the tone of his voice, by how rattled he sounded. And she was probably like, just go to the doctor. Like, they'll take care of you. They'll make sure you're okay. Like, and then, so he did the thing. He did what his mom said. And then he got in there and was like, these people don't know me. And then all of a sudden, it's just a full spiral. The whole like narrative of people going out, coming to get him just you know yeah what, like it's he like could have even thought thing. it was a conspiracy he's yes. like the doctor's against me this construction worker is like a plan yes. to like somebody in disguise like you just start to build on the story in your head oh my god that makes me so sad but she definitely must have done like if someone in your family had called you and said like there are people after me like cancel all my credit cards i would i would almost immediately go towards this i'm like i think they're having a psychotic break rather than assuming that somebody in my family is being pursued or hunted for an unknown reason. Right. Oh my God. So do people still think he's alive? Well, we have a few different theories here. I'm going to go through a little bit of the aftermath of what immediately happened after his disappearance and, you know, sort of what's known, how his family is views what happened to him. And then I have a few different avenues for theories. So, Lars's mother, alongside the Bulgarian and German doctors, they suspected, um, who had reviewed the case, I should say, and the ones who had personally reviewed him. Some have said that they believe his unusual behavior could have been the result of a very rare side effect to the antibiotic that he was prescribed. This is the Cefprozil. I don't want to like mispronounce Maybe it. Maybe Cefprozil? <laughs> is that how you say it? I, I feel like I've heard Cefprozil before, and I don't know why. S- Seth Prowza, I haven't taken an antibiotic since I was like 10. Amoxicillin, baby. Amoxicillin, baby. <laughs> I'm a rub dirt on it kind of girl. Like, I don't do that. <laughs> for, for an internal infection. So they think that this might have been a psychotic episode induced as a rare side effect that could have brought on hallucinations or paranoia. It's not widely understood. And like I said, not even commonly associated with this medication. But there is no way to confirm what exactly was going on inside his head at the time. And what I will say is that this is kind of countered by the last doctor who saw him, which was Kostov. So he claimed that Lars had not been taking the medication. He said in a quote, he didn't take those antibiotics. He didn't even fill the prescription. Kostov said, so his behavior couldn't have been the result of that. I can't think of a single reason why he left my office in such a panic. I'm still confused. His mother claimed that he had no history of mental illness. However, a mental breakdown caused by an undiagnosed mental illness has been discussed as a possible explanation for his conduct. And with police unable to find Lars Matank after searching the entire surrounding area for quite some time, His mother, Sandra, eventually hired a private investigator. This was a man named Andreas Gutig. He checked hospital records for patients without identification. Nothing was ever found. And Lars had experience with hunting, fishing, and trapping, but there was a lot of skepticism about whether or not he could actually survive outdoors because it was extremely hot. It's the middle of the summer, Mm -hmm. and he had virtually no food. So... His mother, I don't know if this is still true because it's been quite some time, 10 years. She initially had expressed a lot of belief for years in this case that she believed he could possibly still be alive, but maybe had his memory sort of wiped. Like the psych- the break in his brain was so severe that he just doesn't know who he is or how to find his way home. And he might be living kind of like the Briceless Pisa theory as like a homeless person. But then I have a witness statement here that I'm going to get into, and then we're going to talk theories. About a year after his disappearance, a truck driver thought he saw him hitchhiking in the Varna area. There were several other reported sightings of him in several other countries, but none of those have ever officially been confirmed. And then in 2019, a different truck driver, German, he gave a hitchhiker a ride to, I think it was from Dresden to Schildau. The driver didn't realize, you know, who Lars Matank was. He didn't know the case. But what he said was when he became aware of that case, he remembered the man he gave a ride to. And he said this person resembled so closely an older version of Lars Matank. Mm. And he said that the guy had long, kind of dirty blonde hair, and he had a beard. And he said that his, his eyes looked almost identical to Lars Matank, 
and they seemed tired, and he was very, very thin. That is all we have about witness statements. I mean, part of me, I almost feel like the guy got like a concussion or something. He very well could have, especially if he really was jumped by a few different guys, which is entirely possible. He was. And traumatic brain injury can be very, it can, this really could be the result of that, that nobody knew. And I feel like, like, how horrendous is this? But like, it really would be kind of the perfect storm for him to become a homeless person in another country. Like, it it just takes one incident like that, one psychotic break for you to devolve into like not being able to like function around other people. And the freaking friends aren't there to like tether him back to any bit of reality or just get him back to home. Or check him into a hospital yeah. and say like, no, there's something seriously wrong here. Yeah. Like it really, it was just, it was like a series of unfortunate events where like something happened that it seemed like they didn't know how bad it really was or Lars didn't know or even the doctor he saw didn't know. And maybe that's also what kind of quelled those fears for them. They were like, well, he's got to be fine. Like because yeah. he saw a doctor, right? Like the doctor wouldn't let him go. Oh, and they just had no idea hard. how bad it would get. Damn. But I have a question for you. I guess I'll blend two theories here and pose this as a question because was the fight real? Like, was it brought on, one, by maybe him already slipping into a psychosis and that's why he picked the fight and then it just exacerbated things? Or did the fight never even happen? Like, the argument happened, the verbal argument, but then maybe even that was a tipping point. I feel like the physical altercation definitely happened because he was gone for... The whole night. The whole night. I mean... So do you think maybe he was like jumped and then like head hit the ground, knocked out and the guys walked away and he just slept there for the night? Yeah, something like that. Or th- or that they maybe they really did like that they had the the verbal fight or whatever and maybe mm-hmm. they said something like, you know, we'll we'll take care of this later or like we'll meet you outside later or something and then he ended up going outside and like one of them was actually out there or the group and they were like, Hey, mother effer, like we haven't forgotten about you. And then he gets like jumped, not mm-hmm. expecting and really gets like beaten up and then comes back and has like his faculties are compromised. Cause I just don't think that like, wasn't that towards the end of the trip? Oh, yeah. It was the day before they were going to leave. I feel like if you were slipping into a psychosis prior, the friends would have, like, seen signs of that. hmm So, to me, it very much so reads that, like, there was some sort of trauma to the brain. I would agree for that. Well, there are some people I would agree with you. I really do see this as, like, this seems like psychotic behavior, mostly because any of what he's describing is never really seen on camera. And he's caught on camera a couple of different times mm-hmm. in the story between the hotel. And then he's got this taxi driver he's with the taxi drivers, you know, said they weren't followed or anything. And then he's at the airport and he's just wicked paranoid, but we don't really see anyone who knows him or who's pursuing him. And he's also kind of like in a safe place arguably i mean that's what i was kind of a safe place yeah like nobody's going to be able first of all you gotta have a ticket to come through and actually get to somebody unless you're like you know just standing around and before security the whole time but like well you have tons of security around that's what i'm saying like there's cops around there's security around there's a security protocol like nobody's gonna come in and harm you totally but it would make sense that like i can see why he believes he's being chased in my Mm -hmm. like scenario I'm kind of creating for myself, which is that perhaps he really did get like kind of attacked out of nowhere thinking like these guys weren't going to come back to like, like it was just going to be a verbal altercation at the bar. They weren't going to actually come back and try to beat him up. And so like, he's not making that part up entirely, but like the guys aren't, 
going to come back to get him. Like that was a one-time thing mm-hmm. that night that those guys were heated, drunk, decided to physically beat him up. But whatever damage they did to his brain, now he's left in that state of fighter, like fight or flight, like feeling like somebody's like the moment that he, I don't know if I'm making sense, but like the moment that he turned the corner and was like, Oh shoot. Like those guys are like right here. And they're like, Hey mother effer, like we're going to beat you up now. Like that was kind of the last thing he felt rationally. So if they beat him to a bloody freaking pulp and that's the last thought he was having, like I could totally see how like that is how he's left in that state. I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I'll go through the other theory here because the next three theories I'm going to talk about have to do with drugs and drug use. And of course, we don't have any, there's no way to substantiate this, like whether he was on drugs or he was carrying drugs because he's gone. We don't know where he is. Mm -hmm. What I will say is any of what he left behind, like his luggage, his belongings, there was no sign of drugs or drug use. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything because, you know, who would show up to an airport with with drugs just in their bag. Right. So do you hear this chopper <laughs> soaring? You hear that? I have had more noises going on around me tonight than ever in two years of doing this show. I have never had the full on circus. Like the Siberian orchestra is playing outside my apartment. I was going to say you were on a, you were on the <coughs> paramount soundstage tonight. I am. <laughs> I don't know what is going on. You, they're shooting right. a Christopher Nolan film behind you. That, like, seriously. <laughs> oh, they're filming The Wicked Part 2, like, <laughs> in the sky right now. I don't know what's going on. <sighs> so, this theory is the drug mule theory, or part one of the drug mule theory. So, there are a couple of different videos on YouTube that have really kind of zeroed in on the camera footage that is available. Mostly the airport, airport footage, right? And... This kind of freaked me out, but only because I'm assigning my own nervousness to it. A lot of people point to the moment that this woman seems to appear. Whether it is a woman or not, we don't know, because a lot of people think it could be a disguise. So people are looking to this footage of him in the airport, and I'm going to have you replay it to see if there's anybody around him who maybe looks suspicious. Because when he's walking in, he doesn't seem to, you know, know anybody. He's not really interacting with anybody. He's looking around, though. He's definitely paranoid. Like, he's looking for somebody. Maybe he's planning to meet somebody. When he runs out, specifically at the 21-second mark, you will see in the bottom left corner what appears to be an elderly elderly woman in a hat who seems to be watching him. Oh, I see her. She then, she then starts to pursue him. A lot of people, I don't, I personally don't know that I believe this is anything, but people seem to be really fixated on her. And I don't know if that's like the JFK, like the babushka lady syndrome where people just like find a scary or like, like single elderly woman in a mysterious tape. And they're like, something's off with that lady. Yeah. To me, it just looks like. I kind of feel like that's, that's like what's happening. Yeah. It looks like she's just like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, why is that guy flying out of here? And she just kind of like has been observing him and then all of a sudden like turns the corner just a little bit just to see where he's going. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's not really damning for somebody to be curious about something abnormal that's happening in public. Like, I would be, when I see catastrophe in public, I sniff it out. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm going, I'm walking the extra mile in the airport to go see the fight or, like, see something. Yeah. Just because, it's just curiosity. So I think that's what was happening. I don't know that she's a nefarious figure in the story, but... People seem really fixated on that. <laughs> the chopper. Are you listening to this chopper? Girl. <clears throat> Baby, you are in the middle of Oppenheimer right now. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Black Hawk freaking down. Like, at, at least it's when the you for once. Are out, that means there's, yeah, usually there's like a like a police chase or something when the yeah. choppers are out like that. Oh, God. Oh, God. Usually well, it's me going. and not you. Yeah, keep going. I know, I know. So then we have the drug mule part two theory. So this sort of suggests that drugs still could have been involved. Um, But maybe it's possible that Lars was being used as a drug mule. Now, where this sort of originated from, I don't know. Could it have been from the guys who jumped him? And they were like, this is going to be how you're going to pay us back. You're going to get drugs 
from this country to this country. Some people say it goes back even further to like his friends. And this was the plan all along. Like, why did they go to Bulgaria? Why vacation in Bulgaria? Were they picking something up? Was something going on? So a lot of people have said, is it possible he was of sound mind the entire time and he was being pursued by these guys who were like going to use him as a mule? So he was paranoid going to the airport that he was going to get caught. So people have suggested he may have had like something like cocaine inside him and he was being used to transport it. So then when he panicked and thought he was going to get caught and split from the airport to try to escape who was ever forcing him to do this and said, we're going to kill you if we don't, they then found him in the woods and they got back what was inside him. It was valuable. Hmm. It seems, I mean, this can be like extremely far-fetched. I really don't know how how far we can get into this because people have said, well, what if it's possible like he was going through with the plan, but then he freaked out because something ruptured inside him and then he was panicking, ran to seek refuge, ran to go to his cohorts, and he just dies as a result of the intoxication. And of course, the people who had forced him to do it, they had to hide the body. I the reason why I have such a tough time believing this one is that one he calls his mom like right before he's about to get on a plane with a bunch of drugs inside of him I just feel like that's kind of bizarre and then two I feel like if you are the mule like to cut off all of your own resources like to money and credit cards and whatever feels just really scary to do like in a foreign country like it doesn't read mule to me it reads like total paranoia and psychosis like because i don't know why in your right mind as a young person you cut yourself off from all finances in a foreign country yeah i i I couldn't really make sense of it Either. I mean, I, I thought it was an interesting angle because I was like, it's something I hadn't heard before, but I just don't see much to really support that. And yeah. specifically since no one's ever really seen on camera. And like you said, he's in contact with his mom. I can't really imagine he would be in contact with his family, like saying like, I'm in danger if he's about to go do something highly illegal, like yeah. transport drugs on a plane. But there's another theory here saying that there might have been drug withdrawal, you know, and mm. maybe he... He was taking drugs with his friends, and that's part of the story that's being left out. You know, maybe that could be part of the reason that could explain some of the irrational behavior as he had run out of the drugs that he was using. So some people have suggested that maybe he was using drugs on the trip, he became used to them, and then maybe this fight and this eardrum injury really did happen. So it caused a bit of confusion, maybe some vertigo or even a psychosis. So the brain tends to adapt to a drug. Um, as it does alcohol. So when you suddenly stop, your brain struggles just like any other organ would. And you would start to feel an immense sense of paranoia um, where your body would shake. Any noise or a busy place would make you sort of panic. So it could have very well been that he may have been somewhat of sound mind and he was kind of starting to unravel a little bit in the later stages of withdrawal in addition to this undiagnosed ear or brain injury. With that theory, it really does make me wonder, like, I wish that there were more interviews with the friends about, like, why they decided to leave him. Because Mm -hmm. for me, that could kind of track that maybe he's acting a fool and the friends are like, we are not sticking around for this. Like, we don't care if you want to stay and like, keep doing what you're doing. Like we want to get home. That could mm-hmm. kind of make sense to me. Um, But yeah, something about the friends leaving early is just really like not sitting well for me, obviously. But like, is it just like a straight guy thing? I can't tell. <laughs> it might well, be. No, I'm being, I'm being serious. Like, I'm not trying to be funny. No, no, but, no. Like, I, know. I feel like, I feel like sometimes like men can be kind of, aloof to sort of what the right social thing is to do, especially if your friend is injured and they're in like a foreign country, like somebody should stay behind. Yeah. You don't leave your friends alone. And especially at that age, like you're almost 30, like you you could build like a convincing case. You're not 18. Like you can, you can get it together. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I I think like, you know, at 28 years old, you could be like, listen, like I'm an adult. I'm good. Like, don't worry about me. Like y'all go, you know, catch your flights. You've got things to do. Like, 
Uh, so yes, thank you for that's checking me said. on that. But- no, but that, that's what people said though. They were like, um, it was probably the case where his friends were like, oh, well, well, we'll stay behind with you, you know, to make sure you're good. And then Lars was insistent and he was like, I'm not a toddler. Like, mm. I'll be fine. It's just a day. So it's it can go two different ways. I can definitely see scenarios where somebody makes you feel like you would be like crowding their space or making them feel uncomfortable if you stayed because they're like, it's not that serious. It's an eardrum. Like, yeah. I'll be okay. Yeah. They just maybe had no idea it was as bad as it was. I just find it so hard to believe they didn't notice any super paranoid behavior. Nothing. I, I mean, maybe being alone was really like what you said before, like being alone is what, is what that sent set it. in. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you have people around you that are familiar, it does really tether you to like a fabric of your normalcy. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly when he's all alone in the quiet, that's when it really sets in. Totally. Especially also it, it's so different that this is his very first time traveling outside the country at 28 mm. years old. Like I keep forgetting that that's, that's very jarring. Like I, I am, I'm 28 years old. I'm not 28 years old. I'm 30. But like, (laughs) if I I just now today or two years ago traveled outside the country for the very first time, that would be a very different story than all the travel that I've done in my past up until this point. You know, like I can't totally that I'm sure that was extraordinary. It's it's just so many moving parts here that kind of like it's like a perfect storm of i was about to say yeah we we really are the same person i know baby <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's telepathy but i think it is at this point but that's really all i've got to i mean those are all the theories that we can kind of like dissect this into i mean i can definitely see how people can flesh out a story of like okay is it a drug mule is it drug withdrawal but i think you and i are on the same page that this really is an occam's razor case and the mm-hmm. most logical is some kind of cognitive issue or a psychotic break. The biggest question for me is where is his body? How have police never found it? How have dogs never found it? Because that can mean one of two things. Either he really got far enough away and got himself into a place where he would never be found before he died, or he's still out there somewhere and he doesn't know who he is. I almost never think this, but I feel like he's still out there. Really? Yeah, I never think that. And I feel like he is somewhere really mentally ill and like homeless. And I don't know where that is, but. Do you think he stayed in Bulgaria or do you think he's maybe like, that's the problem too, is like having this happen in a place like Europe, it is so easy to go from country to country. Like you can't even isolate it to like, okay, we could search like every corner of Bulgaria. They're, they're not going to find him if he's like maybe hopping a train to Germany or a bus to, I don't know, yeah. someplace nearby. Like it's just, he could be anywhere. Yeah. And think about it. No, no money. No, mm-hmm. his last state, he thinks people are out to get him. So I guarantee you, he's like not telling people his real name. And you start to want, like this, we're at the very like beginning stages of somebody with full on mental illness. It only gets worse from there without people mm-hmm. to hold you accountable or to take you to the hospital to or treat you. doctors yeah, to, to be treat treated. you. So, I mean, there's a world where I can definitely see him at the beginning of all this. Like, he's like, okay, I'm not going to tell anybody my name because those people are still out to get me. And then eventually, I mean, it's like you just forget. You you forget who you are. You are lost in your own mind. Oh, that is so sad to think about. I feel like that's how it starts a lot of times. I mean, just the th- the thought that like he, one day he was normal and mm-hmm. then 24 hours later, he's a lost, confused, and homeless yeah. person who doesn't know where he is, what he's doing, or is afraid of it. We said it on Br- Brittany Drexel, and I'm going to say it again. Creepers, stick with your friends. <laughs> oh, Seriously, God. yeah. It's... This I get, I didn't realize like how many parallels this really does have to that case in a certain way, but I I want to side with you on this, and I want to believe that there is hope that one day we're going to get answers about where Lars might have gone. Yeah, and I want to believe that he is still out there somewhere. I want to. I mean, that would be such a miraculous story to know that Lars Patank was found, that he could be back in his family's care, that he could be treated. I mean, that would be 
incredible. I can't even imagine it. Because this is pretty famous now, I would say, like within circles of like people who cover and talk about disappearances. But again, even with that that sort of like heightened fame around it and like notoriety around his face, still to this day, nobody's claimed to see him. God. Yeah, I really am going to like just think and hope that this sees a solve because I really, in my gut, I don't know why, but I, you know, I never feel that way. I feel like he's alive. Well, if there's one thing I've learned through this podcast, it's to trust your gut with my entire being. (laughs) (laughs) Now, baby, the watcher, have you simmered? Do you trust my gut? (laughs) No. No, baby. I don't know if you saw this on Reddit, but some people were like, they were like, Silas presents extremely compelling evidence. Stu's reaction, well, don't you think? (laughs) And I was like, talk that baby. (laughs) I talked my Oh my god! Oh shoot! I forgot this was in premium. I know, I know. I know. I was gonna say. I forgot. Make it, make it a double. Uh, am I? Am I just? <laughs> you admit, they'd be so pissed. They'd be so mad. <laughs> well, creepers, we absolutely love you guys too. I want to thank you for listening, creepers. Thank you for listening. And with that, I think that we're gonna come back for another episode next week. We'll have one for you next Friday. But until then, we're gonna say goodbye and good luck and hail down that chopper. You can still hear it, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> baby, they're coming for you. You're like, usually they're looking for somebody. I'm like, baby, I think I know please, who. Please. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to watch Housewives. I'll chat with you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>